You're listening to the On Call Impact Show. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the On Call Empath. And today we have a very special guest that's joining us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. My first guest all the way across the world, uh, Freya uh, Barra, Raja. Badra. <laughs> Badra. I'm so I knew I was going to butcher that name. Um, That's okay. <laughs> so you are a trauma coach. Um, and empowering coach correct and you've been helping so many people i love your instagram um all the stuff that you've been doing your content very powerful stuff um tell me a little bit about you and how you got into this type of work yeah so i call myself a trauma-informed sex and empowerment coach for women Mm -hmm. so um the way i got into this i've been doing coaching for many years i mean i've been kind of doing different kinds of healing work and shamanic stuff and all kinds of things like that since I was 18. Mm-hmm. 35 now. I had a mind blank. I'm like, how old am I? <laughs> age is nothing but a number. <laughs> yes, I'm beyond age. I'm really not. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'd been doing a lot of coaching work and, and been deeply in the spiritual world for a very long time, very committed to my spiritual practice was really into personal development, um, had, you know, was trained as a coach, had done different types of kinesiology type trainings and other energy work and had been in a few um, conscious sexuality communities and was trained mm-hmm. in various types of like orgasmic body work and things like that. Um, however, I saw that there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of re-traumatization and spiritual bypass that goes on in those worlds and um from what I was seeing professionally and also from my own experience um I just realized that while there was a lot like this the conscious sexuality world is one of the most burgeoning industries currently um and there's a lot of women's empowerment stuff which is amazing um really really great however a lot of the people who go to that world go there because of trauma they're looking to heal trauma Sure. And yet a lot of the practices are not trauma-informed and it usually causes people to become re-traumatized. And so, yeah, because of my own journey as well and because of what I was witnessing, I, you know, made it a real mission to become trauma-informed and to start developing practices that would help women um, mm-hmm. open to their bodies again um, but do so in a way that would not re-traumatize them, that would be sustainable and Mm-hmm. would be trauma-informed essentially so yeah that's the very yeah. short answer to your question <laughs> well I mean it's very impressive you've almost helped over a thousand women all over Australia um, not only do you focus in different areas from setting boundaries to you know all those things that especially empaths have issues with um, yeah. I mean right now with the world the way it is and there's a lot of people going through so much pain and suffering um, and so I think, you know, it's very relevant, a lot of this stuff that you're doing. And so that's why I wanted you on this podcast. So let's just dive right in. And um, if you could just kind of explain to the audience or whoever's listening out there, what are some of the misconceptions about like trauma, and especially like some of the things that you hear with your clients? 
I think I'm going to name two big misconceptions. I think the one I'm going to name is the people who go through it. And the other one I'm going to name is kind of the, the coaching industry, spiritual and greater world misconception of it. So the first one that I would say that people who go through um, traumatic experiences, the, the biggest misconception is this belief that they're broken. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that is such a strong CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So right. someone who's been through repeated traumatic experiences can develop that cptsd that's such a common cptsd story you know it's like there is something wrong with me i'm broken i can never be healed no one could ever possibly love me for who i am i'm worthless like that because because of the things that i've been through no one could love me for how i am like i'm inherently faulty this is like i think this is the core wound of people who have been through repeated trauma especially if they've been through a lot of childhood trauma sure and the the interesting thing about that is um that that pattern itself in polyvagal theory i'm such a polyvagal nerd have you had anyone talk about polyvagal on this i've had i've had a couple in my early episodes in season one um but yeah. not very deeply yeah it's it's absolutely phenomenal i heard um one person describe polyvagal as for the nervous system what newton was the old school kind of to physics what einstein is to or even like string theory and you know quantum physics is to like you know physics this is what polyvagal is to the nervous system so in polyvagal they talk about how there are different nervous system states essentially and um one of the one of the nervous system states is called dorsal vagal. So this mm-hmm. is very much associated with freeze and collapse. Sure. And there are different beliefs and emotional states that are associated with freeze and collapse. And one of them is this deep sense of powerlessness. And so that CPTSD story, like I'm broken, there's something wrong with me. I perceive it as very much a nervous system setting. And when people can realize that it's actually a nervous system setting, Mm -hmm. something that's inherently wrong with them then you can start approaching it and working with it in a way to kind of Mm -hmm. shift the shape of your nervous system in a way and um yeah so that's like one of the most common misperceptions Mm -hmm. about trauma I think and and also like for people who have been through severe trauma like something that I want to say to you is that your experiences make you who you are your experiences cause you to have to grow and have compassion and understanding in a wide worldview that most people don't have. And so it, mm. I would, don't want to say that I absolutely do not want to say that trauma is a blessing, but what I do want to say it's not, it's awful. But what I want to say is that it doesn't make you broken at all. Yeah. It, it makes you someone who has a wider view on yeah. the world. So that's the first misconception. The second misconception that I would say is this just happens all the time. Um, in the coaching industry and in the spiritual kind of industry complex, I guess, um, is the gaslighting of people who have been through trauma and the calling them victims, the complaining of victim consciousness. Like, you know, in the drama triangle, there's victim, perpetrator, and rescuer. And this is how drama is perpetuated is when people embody those three roles. But victim consciousness and 
and which is actually something that narcissists embody a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like never taking responsibility. It's always someone else's fault. Yeah. Like that consciousness is very different to victimization. Mm-hmm. And in order to heal our wounds, we have to acknowledge how we've been victimized so that yeah. we can be with those parts of ourselves that feel powerless. So there's the misperception in, I think, like the coaching industry, the spiritual world, the greater world at large, which is this thing of like, if you even confront your trauma, then you're a victim. Right. You know? And I just think it's such a big way of gaslighting people so that the people who embody those kind of perpetrator roles never have to look at how they are accountable or how yeah. they might have contributed to that kind of pattern, whether it's with that person or with similar stories. You know? Yeah. So. Very interesting. And, you know, and, and what I, one of the things that I, find very interesting especially with a lot of the people that I've talked to is you know they they say that they have physical elements too it's all connected mind body um one of the things also is I mean you mentioned freeze um and the question that I get a lot is how do you get yourself out of that how do you move away from that because that is a very popular question that I get so firstly, I want to say that freeze is there to try and help us. Like all of the fear responses. So there are four re- fear responses, actually. There's fight, flight, freeze, and then there's fawning yeah. as well, which is like that people pleaser, you know, mm-hmm. if you're so deep in freeze, but you can't get away from the perpetrator, you might need to befriend them. Right. You know? um, but the firstly, like all of those fear responses are there to help us stay alive, essentially. Mm-hmm. So if you feel freeze, please don't feel ashamed of yourself. Um, right. But in the moment, let's say there are two types of freeze, right? There's in the moment when something intense happens and you mm. go into numbness and you go into freeze, there's that kind of freeze. And then there's like what I call compounded freeze, which is people have been through so much trauma that mm-hmm. they are kind of living in a state of freeze sure. as their everyday go-to. So what I would say, like in the moment when something happens and you go into freeze, like if you're able to, there are two kinds of things that I would suggest, which is see if you can co-regulate with someone. So if there is someone there who you trust, if you can go to them, if you can talk to them, if you can get a hug, yeah, this can be very hard for people who, um, experience going into the shutdown and freeze state a lot because there's so much shame associated with it. Yeah. But part of the healing is to kind of take away the the secrecy of the shame and actually reveal ourselves mm-hmm. to others and allow others to love us in those states so that yeah. we can dispel the myth that we're not deserving of love. So there's the co-regulation. But what is also really important is in, in um, polyvagal, they talk about mobilization is the antidote to immobilization. So freeze is a type of immobilization, right? Mm-hmm. You move, you're frozen, you're stuck. Mobilization. So when they talk about mobilization, they talk about accessing the emotions that cause us to get moving. So the fight or flight emotions. So mm-hmm. actually letting ourselves feel our fear, letting ourselves feel our anger, like especially for people who have boundary issues, feeling mm-hmm. anger is really important because anger indicates where our boundaries are being crossed, right? Mm-hmm. So actually letting ourselves feel and express our anger, but also physical movement. And this yeah. is the same for people who are in the moment they're feeling freeze or if they living, they're living in a compounded state of freeze. The mm-hmm. way that I work with people a lot is getting them to do physical movement practices, like sure. very specific physical movement because that's physical mobilization. And often what that does, because the trauma is in the body, right, is that right. allows the 
fascia and all of the body to start opening. And sure. what might happen is the frozen emotions. So often Release. depression is like frozen emotion. Exactly. Those emotions yeah. start releasing. So you might experience the anger, you might experience the fear, right. and you can actually start releasing it from your system. If right. you can't like, so when I say movement, it could be like, just go for a walk, do anything. Mm-hmm. You could do a workout if you want, but even the most simple things like just yeah. letting your body move in any particular way at all, yeah. even if it's just you're just moving your shoulders, mm-hmm. any kind of movement. So movement with yourself, letting yourself feel your feelings and co-regulating with others are, I think, the mm-hmm. best ways to come out of freeze. Yeah, I, I, I 110% believe that exercise, even light exercise, the studies show even brain scans, like a 15 minute walk, they look at the brain and they just see like the mm. difference open areas. It's, mm. it's so amazing how our, our bodies, our minds are so connected and just something simple as giving someone a hug, releasing, yeah. releasing that or going for a walk, journaling for, for me, but like, mm just really reaching out to people that understand you because you're if you're stuck in that flight or flight mode I mean I've talked to so many people that they have all these elements in their body and not one doctor could tell them like what's going on it's frustrating and they're on all this medication they're gaining Mm -hmm. weight and they're eating they don't know why and it just snowballs and then you get to a point where it's it's Mm -hmm. there's a point of no return they give up and and it's really sad, but as you said, there you can do things to counter that. And so mm. that leads me to asking you, um, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, trauma sometimes, you know, can teach us things. Um, what can it teach us? What are some positive things that could come from it? Because I know a lot of people that I've talked to is like, I wouldn't wish, wish this on my worst enemy. It ruined my life. Well, you know, yeah. just for me, it's changed my life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I am someone who is always looking for solutions and I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to find what I can learn from any situation. And I want to be really careful about how I phrase this because so many people will dismiss or invalidate people's trauma and their pain by saying like, but what did you learn from it? Or Mm -hmm. something so like, (laughs) Oh, I just, it makes me want to vomit a little bit, you know. I had a therapist ask me that once. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. it was very like, I mean, it it did the opposite. I know what she was trying to do, but it didn't help. Because, I mean, she was not trained to understand that, you know. And so it's just kind of invalidating. I'm sure she meant well, but. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But. It is invalidating. Yeah. It's really invalidating. I mean, so. In answer to your question, I definitely want to preface it with acknowledging like the experience that you had. I've had those experiences. I'm sure many people listening have had similar experiences and I in no way want to imply like there's some glorious journey and some glorious learning that people are going to have from deeply traumatic experiences. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a great time. It's not fun. I also wouldn't wish it on anyone. (laughs) However, um, in saying that, you know, there's this, this term in psychology they refer to as post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do feel for myself that having been through 
extreme pain you know like my journey like I lost my whole family because they took my abuser's side etc so it's there's been a lot of like pain that I've had to confront and having to face a lot of pain a lot of deep sense of powerlessness in myself for me I feel has given me type of compassion for myself and for others that I didn't have before because I was too busy protecting myself from the parts of myself I didn't like or that I had judged because I thought they were too powerless or whatever and having faced those parts of me and continuing to face those parts of myself and continuing to work on loving myself in that way I do feel that it gives me greater capacity to have love mm-hmm. and compassion and patience for other people in a way I couldn't have before. Mm-hmm. And Tihat Nan says, you know, that the foundation of compassion, which is a very high state, actually, he says that it's empathy. And I do agree with that. If we are numb to places within ourselves, we can't actually have compassion or empathy for those places in yeah. others. And also you know, one of the one of the upsides to the awful journey that I've been through and that I've seen other people go through is you start to get, when you go through the journey of healing the places where you're numb or you have blind spots, for instance, after a while you start to get much more clear-sighted and you can pick, like, narcissistic people and you can understand things about the world that maybe you were blind to before, you know. So yeah. the journey of... I saw a meme the other day. It was like a lot of things will fix your vision but break your heart. And I think that's kind of yeah, that's kind of it. It's brutal. It's brutal, <laughs> but like revealing. One of the things um that kind of stuck out, and I was looking through your Instagram, I believe you had a quote um on there, and it says, you know, how about instead of asking survivors that they stop talking to their abusers and exes and family, like going non-contact. Uh, why don't we um, look at the abusers and, you know, ask them, why did they start stop loving us? And to me, especially, as, you know, as a kid, you know, I, I wasn't aware what was going on. But now as an adult, you know, I get those questions in my head, you know, and a lot of my clients also like, why didn't they love me? And, I, you know, maybe they weren't capable of and even therapists have told me and in defense of the abusers, they don't they weren't raised that way. They didn't know any better. And that was just causing more anger in, in my head because God, for a therapist. Really yeah. Sorry that you've had that yeah. It's, I mean, it, I know what she was trying to do, but it was more like you're defending that person. Yeah. Like it's okay. But, and especially it, when so yeah. many people who've been through trauma, like, I don't know your story, but we gaslight ourselves. Yeah. And so part of the journey is actually acknowledging what really happened. So I imagine that having someone say something like that to you. It's like going around it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like trying to tell you my story. I'm opening up. I'm being vulnerable. And here you are. Well, maybe this person didn't have this growing up or their parents did this. And for generations, that's not going to help me right now, is it? (laughs) Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about healing is that like, that to me sounds like someone, and I don't know your therapist, I don't know the story, but when I hear things like that, I'm like, oh, that's someone who is afraid of encountering their own rage. Yeah. And they're projecting it onto their client. 
because actually I think the journey of healing, like with what you're talking about, it, that kind of understanding of, oh, well, this is what it was like for them. We get to that organically at some point. Yeah. At some point, people will organically get to that on their own, not forced by a facilitator of, you know, in whatever, whether a coach or a therapist, but it's like in order to get to that place, we actually have to feel the betrayal, the rage, the pain, the disconnection, the isolation, because that's how we actually visit those wounded inner child parts and actually hear them and validate them so that they can integrate into the rest of the adults. So I'm just... I've hear I hear this kind of story really and, and I, I'm sorry that it happened. This is coming from an EDMR specialist that specializes in tra- tra- you know trauma. So yes. you I wouldn't have thought I would think okay if I went just to a general, but mm. I went specifically to mm. a person who deals with yeah. the you know the worst cases. Um, so I was just kind of kind of thrown off that they would do that uh, or say that, and maybe they were doing it in a more I guess third party perspective they're like you know don't take this personally but this is what's really going on which is which makes sense but maybe at that point I didn't really need to hear that because it just made me more enraged like then why why did they do that though that doesn't answer my question you know yeah exactly um still it's still making excuses for the abuse rather than holding it accountable and that's the journey is to actually hold it accountable speaking of the journey um if you could share with us a little bit about what you know what your journey taught you and because you've been through trauma as well Mm -hmm. that's such (laughs) a big question oh my goodness put you right Um, on the spot (laughs) yeah what did my journey teach me? There are so many things. Um, I think to encounter, you know, my, I won't go like too into it or relive it or anything like that, but I um, grew up in a very violent family. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think my father is a sociopath um, mm-hmm. and he was also sexually abusive to both my mother and myself while mm-hmm. I was a child. I don't know if he was towards other people, but I suspect someone like that who likes to get away with things probably was. Um, Yeah, but I didn't have memories of that until like my, I think when I was 30, I didn't have memories of that happening to me as a kid. So a lot of my journey, a lot of my life, I was unwittingly reenacting that bond with narcissistic people and not just narcissistic people, but like, narcissistic systems like cultish systems and things like this and um you know when I started to become aware of what had happened and I went to my entire family with this is what has happened and they took his side and ostracized me essentially um that was such a wake-up call for me around how many people really just want to preserve the status quo Mm -hmm. because they are terrified to feel anything real. Yeah. And to really heal and be true to oneself, we have to actually really feel, you have to feel. You can't just think your way through it. You actually have to really feel it and really encounter those parts. 
and that was like the whole experience there was a lot more that went on I, my whole life basically fell apart in every single way that my life had been built on the trauma fell apart and um, it was very devastating and I think that I don't really know how to sum up what I learned because I'm still cognitively trying to place the felt learnings that I've had um, but I think feel into this a little bit more before I just give you some time no take your time I mean I know it's that I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is to accept the ugliness of life yeah I think what I experienced during that period of healing and it wasn't just losing my family. I lost my spiritual community. I went to an abusive relationship. Like mm-hmm. my business was slandered. Like there was a lot of stuff that went on. So every single part of my life fell apart. Um, and I had to really, and I really experienced a lot of people using that period when I was very weak to attack me even more. And so what I got to see was just how ugly people can be. Yeah. And and I think I had lived in a very kind of dissociated, idealized sort of like everything is beautiful before that. And um, my journey, I feel personally, is very much about truly encountering the reality of life, both its beauty and its raw ugliness and being completely honest about what it really is and doing my absolute best to find how I can love with those things how can I accept this world I have to live in this world you know I'm I'm not willing to check out of this world but this world is filled with things that I don't like so how can I accept this is a part of reality you know I can't go and like we can't just wipe out all of the narcissists and sociopaths (laughs) unfortunately right like part of reality is there is light and there is dark there is night there is day there are people who hurt people there are good people who hurt people sometimes absolutely you know so it's like I think part of my journey has been about coming to terms with because I think also with trauma survivors we can get very black and white now thinking like there are good people and bad people and it's a way of coping with uncertainty but really life isn't like that it's very much shades of gray and I think my journey was about kind of shattering that rigid thinking and rigid Mm. ways of seeing people and maybe idealizing people and and seeing that actually life is very very confusing and there is a lot of true ugliness in this world and without enabling it and being able to call it out and say this isn't right at the same time how can I also accept that yeah this is what life is and that's a big journey and it's very challenging for me to remain loving all the time (laughs) sometimes I get angry yeah you know but I think that's one of the big lessons I've learned from the things that I've been through yeah thank you for sharing that I mean a lot of people that are tuning in you know that they're in a you know, in a dark spot, but then later on, especially when I connect with them, they'll have good days, but then majority of them are bad. And so 
I, I mean, I tell them you're going to, you're going to have more bad days than good, but then when it starts to balance out and you start to even out oh. where you're having a couple good days here and there, oh. and you have to look at exactly what did you do that day that kind of made it a bearable, oh. we want to get you a little bit past baseline so you can function and make sense of things. And, you know, cause once you're, you're hurt from childhood, from abuse, from trauma, I mean, I tell people it's a lifelong process that you're not, there's not going to be a day where you wake up and you're going to be like, I'm cured and let's go face the world because I have to, I know I feel it when I'm, when I stop doing the work, when I stop work, you know, uh, working out movement, um, you have to be consistent eating healthy. Like if I start eating like fast food and I stop working out, it's just like a domino effect and the trauma comes back. And the minute I'm around positive people doing great podcasts like Mm -hmm. this, it makes me think that I'm not alone. And there's thousands of people that are Mm -hmm. tuning in that are like, aha, they have that (sighs) aha moment. Yeah. I'm that really touched me when you said that, like that reminder of I'm not alone. Cause I think that's a piece of the trauma, isn't it? Just feeling so isolated and seen and alone actually feel a bit teary (laughs) especially right now yeah yes especially with everything I know in Australia I I just talked to a lady yesterday and she was saying what a mess it was with the government and stuff and I was telling her there's it's not any better here in the U.S. and not to get political or off track but there are manipulators and narcissists in power and there are people that want to only benefit them so people that are traumatized or weaker, you know, they, they end up following the herd and they don't, mm. they don't, they, they don't voice their opinion in, in fear of what mm. other people may think because yeah. they've been shunned through abuser yeah. and things like that. So the world is still, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be the same, but I think by people listening to you and, and listening to podcasts and the work that you do, we can actually make sense of it. Yeah. And know that like you said you know you're not alone because there's so many people going through this some of them don't really talk about it and they'll be on social media smiling and putting yeah. up a front but behind closed doors I mean I've talked to many people that they're on medication some days they don't they can't even get up out of bed yeah. but then they'll have to put themselves together for a, a photo shoot or, or something like that and they'll go right oh. back to their addictions or stuff things like that but um, I'm going to throw you like a scenario here and um, it's like a little curveball, but I just want to see what your answer would be. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this will be kind of interesting. Um, if so, if today was your last day on earth and, you know, you would like to send a message to whoever's listening in this podcast that's been through trauma, narcissist abuse, um, any type of suffering. I'm going to leave you with that to, to educate everyone that's listening out there. I think what I would want to say is I'm really sorry that that happened. (laughs) You did not deserve that. No one deserves that. No one deserves that kind of treatment. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes we make, yeah. 
no one deserves to be abused for making mistakes. It's human to make mistakes. Yeah. Any decent human will make a mistake and then rectify it, but no one deserves to be. That's usually an excuse that abusers make use is that you did this, therefore I treat. No one deserves to be treated that way. Yeah. And I just know the kind of aloneness and the darkness and the hopelessness I think that sense of complete giving up and it's never going to get better Yeah, that people can live with. I've lived with that, you know, really just bleak. I, I don't have any faith that it will ever get better. And like you said, you know, it's, I think that it's not about fixing ourselves so that yeah. we're shiny and clean. I think that desire, that perfectionistic desire is actually a part of the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, I'm not good enough as I am. I have to fix myself. So I don't, I think that we will live with some aspects of our trauma for the rest of our lives. However, I think we can shift our attitude towards it so that we can have compassion for ourselves and patience and love for Mm -hmm. ourselves and know that we deserve that, which is the opposite of what people mm-hmm. who have abused us have taught us that we don't yeah. deserve to be seen or heard or being given the things that we need. And so for the people who are listening, I just want to say, I'm sorry that that happened yeah. to you. You didn't deserve it. And it is possible to heal, not to, not to eliminate the trauma. Yeah. It is possible to heal heal it, integrate it to a degree that you can function better. You might will still have days that are difficult, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But I know that, I, I guess I'm also speaking to people who are maybe in the bleakest place and like are wanting to give up. Yeah. You know, for those people, I, I just want to say, just please just keep going. And yeah. if you can find even, even like, once or twice a day, if you can even find one tiny thing that brings you joy, like there was one point during some of my darkest periods that honestly memes saved me. <laughs> I'd be on the hunt for memes. Yeah. I was just going through memes and I was laughing and the laughter that I had from the memes, I was like, this is so strange that memes yeah. are helping me. But like being able to laugh from the memes honestly helped get me through or even just finding like I go for a walk in nature and just see the beauty in a flower and that small spark of joy that I could get from that tiny like from that flower or from the sunlight pierced from the clouds it was just one moment that little bit of light which is me a little bit of fuel to keep going and I have been to the point in my life where I thought that I wouldn't make it through yeah and my life is extremely different not that long later you know, just a matter of years later than what it was. Mm-hmm. So I just, I want to encourage these people, please do find mm-hmm. a small spark in your life that, and just mm-hmm. focus on that small spark and let that small spark. I say in my course, Pleasure After Trauma, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, you know, <laughs> you know, do you, have you watched The Lord of the Rings? Oh, no, I haven't, but I've heard of it. Oh, damn. Okay. I have to look into, is it? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll just give you like a short analogy. Sure. So there's this elf called Galadriel and she's uh-huh. like a mega babe. Anyway, she's like, <laughs> she's really like magical and wise. And right. She gives Frodo, who's the ring bearer. So he's the innocent heart who has to destroy the evil ring. Right. 
Anyway, she gives him this little vial that's filled with light. And mm-hmm. she says, Frodo, this is the light of Erendil, whatever it's called. I can't remember. <laughs> and I think it's from a star, like a massive star. And it's just a tiny little VR, like right. it's not big, right? But she's like, this will guide you through the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> like she, Kate Blanchett in her deep voice. Right. Anyway, um, there comes a time where Frodo and Sam, his best friend, are like underground in these tunnels and there are all these massive spiders and sam like gets the viol and he holds the viol up of light and it's complete darkness everywhere and he holds that tiny little bit of light up and it scares the spiders <laughs> away and i think that like it's that book is such a metaphor it's such a hero's journey oh, i say right. it that way because i'm a nerd but like <laughs> <laughs> but it's like in those moments when honestly we feel like giving up the tiniest spark can be the thing that guides yeah. us through like whether it's just reaching out to a friend and having yeah. a conversation or seeing the beauty in the sky or laughing at things yeah. like so please just know that it wasn't your fault please do reach out to professionals yeah. who actually can help you correct do try and find like that small spark of light that can yeah. you through i think that would be those are the things that i would say very well said and i mean i can really feel your energy like i know you're on the other side of the world but thank you for being transparent about your own you know trauma and i think that's what makes you so good at what you do and being genuine and um it was really a pleasure having you on this podcast but before we leave can you just tell us where we can find you on all your social media yeah Firstly, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed oh, like yes. being here and chatting with you and like Absolutely. also connecting with you and feeling your depth. And like, I don't know your history, but I can right. feel some of the journey you've been on. And, you know, Nate, I think it's Nate Postleway. Is that how you say his last name? He's like, yeah. he's big on Instagram and he says, you know, there's a certain bond and the connection and the type of healing that people who have survived epic trauma essentially can have with each other and it's yeah kind of validation there's a bond yeah yeah and I think that there's a type of just knowing and understanding that yeah. people who have been through significant experiences like that can feel with each other yeah I'm sure your clients feel that with you and I pray that my clients feel that yeah. and I've definitely felt that today so thank you for having me oh it was my pleasure um, yeah and um people can find me on Instagram um at Freya Vardra so F-R-E I I messed it up in the beginning too so don't worry (laughs) f-r-e-y-a-v-a-j-r-a is my my full name so at freya vardra and um my website is www.fiercemystic.com that's about to change i'm about to have a relaunch and it will just be www.freyavadra.com so depending on when you're listening to this you can find me at fiercemystic.com or Mm freyavadra.com and um, on Instagram at You guys check her out. Some great information you have. Um, I've t- truly learned a lot myself. And um, anyone that's going through quite a lot, please share this episode. Um, maybe it mm. could help change a life or yeah. somebody that might be at the edge. And yeah. and I've lost many people in the past. And I don't think the world does enough to to put in the effort right now but if you're listening you know there are people that care and you're not alone 
just like Freya said. Thank you so much for having me, Raj. Absolutely. You're always welcome back, and I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. All right. Thank Thank you, you guys, for tuning in. And uh, especially um, if you have any comments, feel free to write in the comments below or reach out to me. Uh, I'd love to know um, what you thought of this episode. In the meantime, always keep moving forward. And we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.